Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. Our current series is entitled A Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines. We are being led by Milton Redeker, our men's ministry coordinator, Renee Rivera, and Eric Reed, the minister to married young adults and men at Houston's First Baptist Church. To find out more about our men's ministry, please visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org. We hope that this podcast is a blessing to you, and we'll see you soon. You may be challenge everybody, including ourselves, to if, if fasting is something we feel like we need to do, in other words, take something out of our life to invest something spiritually in it, what would it be? And so what would we be fasting toward or for? Um, I wouldn't dare share anyone else's, but you know, Frank and Blake have sort of sh- shared some stuff with us. Uh, Milton was going to share, and then I'll share, and then Renee will share. But uh, tell, us, tell us what you're going to be My fasting My really going to be tough, guys. I'm fasting from fried foods, which I love, chicken fried steak and fried chicken. So I'm going to fast from fried foods and dairy products, which ice cream I dearly love, bluebell ice cream. <laughs> the other fast I'm going to do is, and this will make my wife happy, I'm going to fast from sports on TV. <laughs> I spend a lot of time watching sports on TV when I can, late at night, Saturdays or Sundays. So... That's going to be a big fast for me. Well, thank goodness there's nothing like the World Series going on or <laughs> my Dallas Cowboys. No. <laughs> Do you have a time frame for that, Milton? Do you have a time frame? Time frame? Till the end of the year. Wow. Did you, did you wait for a particular point in the season? <laughs> <laughs> I, if I was going to fast, I would have fast started fasting a couple of weeks ago, but now that the Cowboys are winning, I'd say, oh, man. <laughs> Am I all you sooner? Man. Well, I'm going to start taking my Fridays. My, my weekend is Friday, Saturday, because Sunday is sort of called a work day for me because I'm on staff at the church. So taking a sunset Thursday to sunset Friday. So that means basically missing a dinner, breakfast, lunch. So I'm eating every day, but there's that, that window in there that I'm taking off. And, and honestly, that, that whole thing is, is driven around the idea of freedom. Uh, there are several men uh, we're really praying that in each other's lives you know there's temptations we've had in our life we've given in at times and we've been victorious at times uh, for me I think if you've been in any of the men's studies uh, I brought an addiction of pornography into my marriage but the temptations never gone away but I've never fasted and prayed and asked God to set me free from that I prayed but I've never on my I've never said, well, God, I'll I'll give up this and I'll dedicate that. And so, uh, you know, when I when I started looking at how serious am I about not even having the temptation to worry about, I'm like, I've got accountability software, I've got accountability partners, I've got all that. I just don't want to have this struggle. I mean, it sounds weird to say it, but here I am, 42 years old. I really don't want to have that struggle. And so. I'm asking God that he would take this time and he would bless it 
and he would do something totally fresh and new in my life by doing that. And so that, that is what I'm working on in that. And when does that begin? We'll begin this Friday for me. So, you know, thank you all. You know, when I got you all, I hadn't decided on mine. I was just praying, and, and so I got your stuff and started saying, okay, this is what they're doing. And Milton started sharing what he was doing. I'm like, okay, God, yeah, I got I to gotta ante up here. What's it going to be? And so that's it. So, and cover y'all's prayers in that as well. That. Renee? As you know, mine was media, having to, to, to remove myself from from talk radio in the sense of political talk radio. I filled it with uh, 90 days of audio scripture where I listened to the entire Bible uh, every moment I was in the car. Um, and uh, not so much listening to music, but filling it up with the uh, with the Word of God. And I had a lot of, uh, I received a lot of blessing from that. Uh, today, my company strives at eating out. We eat out a lot. Uh, and um, uh, even in meetings, hey, let's meet so-and-so, let's meet here, let's meet there. Uh, one of the things that I'm fasting from is the, the need and the indulgence to eat out with my clients, find something else to do with my clients in the sense of, hey, we'll meet at Starbucks, but at the same time, I have a Starbucks addiction. So I love caffeine to the point where I got injured from it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna fill myself, long story, get dehydrated. Right. And, and so water and, and, and reduce that, but still have the meetings with the content, but replace it with something else. So that's where uh, I find comfort in a good cup of coffee. I find comfort in a good meal sponsored by the company. <laughs> yeah, I would. Okay, so th that, is, that is a sense of peace. It's a sense of relief. It's a, it's, it's, it's a crutch for me that I need to move away from. I did for a couple of years, but I want to replace it with something else. Make sure the meetings are quality that I have. Make sure the time I have with the people is quality, and the food that I eat is healthy and is beneficial to me because not because it's a comfort food, but because I need it and I need it for sustenance. So I'm not denying myself uh, food. I am moving. I'm moving away from the food that gives me comfort, and for different reasons. So um, I've also thought about uh, a dinner to dinner fast on certain things, and, and now's the perfect time since we missed dinner. Uh, <laughs> to, to, to a big day tomorrow. If you're so. fasting from food, I put on your desk a seven step to optimal health. That works. I've done it. And again, if you weren't here, we, we record every one of these uh, sort of lessons. And the one on fasting, I uploaded all. I uploaded the last three weeks. When I was a gimp, I didn't do any of the podcast stuff. But last uh, last Friday, I think, is when I started getting all those uploaded. So. It's up there, and, and I think we had a really good conversation about it. Just to remember that fasting is not obligating God. Fasting is not me removing something purely just to remove it. It's to remove it so that I might replace it with something with a spiritual focus on it. And so whether that's skipping a lunch and taking that lunch and spending it in prayer, right. uh, cutting out media so that I might take in more of the Word. For me, uh, cutting out food that I might focus in prayer so that I would pray for victory over a temptation that's in my life that I've wrestled with since I was 10 years old, off and on. You know, it's not been a direct all the time type of deal, but as I said, I, I want to be done with it. So this is a, a thing of drastic measures I'm taking to say, God, I, I don't want to leave anything unturned here in this battle in life. And, and that sort of brings us, uh, and today I'm, I'm really pumped up the, the session today is on spiritual disciplines, on spiritual warfare. I want us to pray. 
But, but honestly, all the disciplines we've looked at until now have been tools that we have. And they're ways of us showing God that we love Him. Whether it's prayer or Bible study, whether it's fasting or worship, whether it's seeking godly counsel or a fellowship, uh, uh, worship, the creation, practicing the presence of God, that no matter where we go, God is there. And so practicing that, mentally practicing, spiritually practicing His presence, that, that helps us in a lot of areas. You know, when I'm waffling on a decision, I'm not alone. If I've, if I've had the discipline of, of experiencing God in creation, then even in the workplace, I'm not alone there. So I can make the hard decision there. But all of those things bring together into one, and that is this idea of spiritual warfare that we're in. And so I want to I pray. We're going to talk about, uh, and, and this will be a dialogue, just like last week we were talking about getting a definition of what is a spiritual battle. What is that battle? And then why is it important? And then, really, how can we engage in that? I mean, truly engage in it. And, and I'm still learning a ton on that. Milton is still learning a ton. Renee is still learning a ton. We're not here because we have it all figured out. It's not a formula. But we'll bring to bear some of what we've been learning. And then y'all will be sharing what you've learned as well. So uh, I'm glad you're here. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, Lord, and declare you are great. You're a great God. You're holy. Lord, that in you, there's perfection. And Father, confess as well that in me is sin and save, but your grace. Uh, God, that's all that would be there. But Lord, you've put something even better than that. You've put your spirit inside of me and inside of each of us that have received you as Lord. And Father, we're not just helpless here. Lord, we're men here. You've fashioned us for warfare. You've gifted us. You've given us the tools and the weaponry of your kingdom. And Lord, my confession to you is that I've ignored much of it for years. And uh, I'm excited at what you've been showing me the last three or four years since I've been here at this church. That there truly is a battle going on between good and evil. Between your kingdom and the kingdom of darkness. Uh, God against sin. Lord, against demonic forces. And Father, may we, uh, may we be diligent, may we be aware, may we be equipped, may we not be found as deserters in your army, but as truly ready for service. Uh, Father, we love you. Would you speak through your word? Would you speak through these men? And uh, God, would you bless us with giving us more understanding and a renewed commitment to you? I also thank you right now for... Uh, God, for the, the different things you put on each of our hearts to fast from, it's neat that none of us are doing the exact same thing. God, it's really cool that you come to us individually. But God, that we share in this as a, as a family, as a community of brothers, we share in that challenge. Uh, would you meet each of us at our deepest point of need, and would you be glorified? Uh, thanks again for this day. It's in Christ's name we pray. Well, as, as I shared, this is really this, this idea of uh, spiritual disciplines that has, that's moved to spiritual warfare really is a culmination. It sort of is this, this ground at which all these other disciplines intersect. And so I want to... I wanna, just sort of throw out when y'all hear spiritual warfare let's put some of the what are some of the things that sort of come through your mind 
And there could be things that have come from the media, could be things from scripture, and, and even from experience. What are some of those things? Hate crimes. What's that? Hate crimes. Hate crimes? Not to get political, but that is one of them. <laughs> and uh, could we could we maybe say crimes, period? Mm -hmm. That it's sin, like some forms of sin. And uh, obviously the, the love crimes, maybe not as much as the hate crimes. No, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. right. Uh, obviously a, a very outward sin would be would be some uh, form of expression where there's a spiritual warfare going on in somebody's soul, somebody's heart. Something else. Things that interfere with you from accomplishing God's work. And I'll just put it up beside that. I'll put barriers. And I'm, I'm thinking about this like you were talking about before the GM6 mm -hmm. uh, meeting that Saturday how oh many things that worked against you yeah the, the breakfast we had literally every conceivable technological thing that could have gone wrong was going wrong uh, the, the recording device that we use and I've been using this for four years suddenly just out of the blue wouldn't work at all. I mean, it was just like one thing after another thing after another thing. Uh, volunteers that were supposed to be there early to take care of things. Alarms not going off. Um, so when it all came together, I mean, I didn't have my notes with me. Um, I've never, I don't teach off the paper. I usually uh, put my notes into a presentation. So I have it all in one. It's real clean and neat that way. And you can angle the screen so you don't have to look down at your notes. You can glance at them and, and stay on point. I tend to drift and wonder. Um, so, yeah, a lot of that went on. So, uh, definitely, barrier. What are, hey, what are some other things that have maybe interfered in your spiritual life? Media, right? Well, I'm just, I'm just asking. And how, how has media interfered in your spiritual life? Just, uh, um, you know, the, the, adult, the ever present uh, shows and the sports addictions that we've had as men, right? Temptations. <clears throat> Temptations that have fall between family times and times of life and times of kids. Uh, you see even, even more now with uh, getting the heat of uh, different uh, different seasons starting up, you know, this is something that we kind of attached ourselves as we've grown up um, in college and to our buddies. And, uh, I think that's a big, big barrier there. I'm going to put time and attention um, time and attention that, that our time gets eaten up by stuff that maybe isn't best have you ever read the book Good to Great you know good is the enemy of great um, I think everyone probably that's been in the business world in some way have read a lot of Jim Collins stuff um, so time is one, attention is another uh, that if I'm sitting there with my wife and there's a show on, on the side and it's it flips over to a commercial. It's a Victoria's Secret commercial, and I'm sitting there. Now I'm like, focus on your wife. What I'm saying is there's a pull to that. My attention is no longer on my wife. My attention's over here 
on something of the media and that actually I might not be sensitive to what's going on in her life. And, and I, maybe, yeah, it's like, in other words, so yeah, being aware those things can interfere. Definitely. It's even easier than that, Eric. It's like going to a, a restaurant and they have ESPN on and you're with your family and you position yourself right where the TV is. I'm guilty. You know, it may not be Victoria. It may be something as simple as the commercials on because eating dinner. Where's the order yet? Okay, back to ESPN. It may be something that simple, but that's focusing as well. So I just oh, yeah. want to pull it back. Mm. Yeah, it depends on you yeah. and what yeah. your yeah. struggles are. Yeah. 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 I think that the job, the business, is something that interferes, draws attention. Imagination. Sleeping. That could interfere too, right? Sloth, like, as in, like, I'm sleeping 12 hours a day and <laughs> I don't want to go to work because I like my warm, cuddly blanket type of deal. Um, or fall asleep on the job. Yeah? Poor time management sometimes. Yeah. Maybe the flip side of the sleep, fatigue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I put busyness alongside yeah. of job and busy. Uh, and business because this for me is fatal all the time I'm always stirring up something to do and it keeps me up late at night and so I'm not fresh during the day and I'm tired and I get home from work and I'm really tired and I'm not able to engage <laughs> I engage but I'm engaging on like fumes as opposed to dad's home dad's excited about being home I'm ready to go and so that has been you know and I've done a much better job of, of pulling back on stuff. Um, things that interfere, for sure, these can be expressions. These can be the battleground, a lot of these. Where do most of these things attack us? Is there one area or are there multiple areas? Our principles and our morals. Okay, they can attack uh, principles and morals. about uh, this idea, you know, media, uh, where we get our idea of success, where we get our idea of beauty, where we get our idea of a man, what area does that hit us at? Emotional. It's our emotion. Book. I mean, obviously, sleep and fatigue and all of that would be our bodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what we've we've just hit here is really a lot of it is these these battlegrounds are pretty diverse, but it, it hits it hits our our soul, you know that that emotional realm of us. It hits our mind, which is. According to John Donne, that was God's gatekeeper that he gave us was our mind. Our reason should have protected us 
but we actually have allowed our reason to be captured and now it holds our whole body captured. And in the other realm of the physicality of this, our bodies and money and all the, the physicality of it, there are real addictions out there that are real battlegrounds. And any one of these, any one of these is a spiritual battle. Unfortunately, in a lot of our lives, we, we actually are being attacked. <laughs> How many of y'all would say you've been attacked in at least two of these areas in the last week? You've been attacked in at least two of these areas in the last week. Some thought, your emotion, some physical, just overwhelming. What about three of these areas? Three of these areas in the last week, maybe. How about all of them? And all of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I think those things hit. And so I wanna I want us to take a peek real quickly at 1 Peter 5, 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. What, let's, we'll start at verse 6, just to start at the beginning of the paragraph that's there. And let's see. Hey, Frank, you want to read that out? 6, 7, 8, 9, and, uh, and 10. Just read it out real loud. Yeah. 6 to 10? Yeah. All right. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Pith all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Self-controlled and alert, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Him be the power forever and ever. Man. I mean, in those verses right there, you've got the body, you've got the mind, you've got the soul, all three being afflicted. And there's a character right in the middle of it in verse 8. And who holds at that middle according to this passage here? Who's in the middle of this at verse 8? The devil. And is he just sitting back, stroking his mane? <laughs> What's he doing? Causing trouble. Yeah. He's on the hunt. Okay? So when we think about this whole idea of spiritual warfare and why in the world is it even important that we're talking about it, it's because there really is a warfare going on. And uh, I want to I wanna give you... A, just a couple of summary statements on spiritual warfare that are true. And then I want, I think, Renee, are you coming up after me? Or Milton? And the first one is, at the heart of spiritual warfare, it's really truly for us, it's learning to surrender to Christ as Lord. It's, it's, it's not us figuring out how to defeat the devil, okay? 
Christ has defeated him ultimately on the cross and the resurrection. In Pentecost, he poured his spirit out into our life. He's left his word, which is the sword that we have. And what we need to learn to do is truly to come underneath his authority in every area of our life. Interesting, these have nothing to do with Satan directly. If you look at any of them, you don't see a guy with a red jumpsuit and pointy horns and a funny tail <laughs> jumping through all this. And yet all of these vie for our mind share and our heart's affection and ultimately the purity of our body, our allegiance to either God or the flesh. And it gets played out. And it's interesting that Satanism isn't, if you've ever looked into it much, it's, it's not about doing something demonically evil. It's about doing what you want to do and being your own man. And Satan is celebrated as a hero because he busted ranks with God. He was this real, he was his own man. And it really promotes this individualism and this self-centeredness and do what you want to do. Which really, I was raised in America and that was sort of the message I got. It's just interesting. So at the heart of this idea of spiritual warfare, surrendering to Jesus as Lord. Romans 10.9, that, that if we basically cry out, believe, yeah, believe his death, believe his burial, believe his resurrection, but we confess him as Lord, we'll be saved. Well, that's the heart of that. Number two, it is the natural versus the supernatural. That is the realm. We don't always see it, but if you want to just think about it, the cold front that we just had coming through at the front edge of that, when the warm air is there and you've got this cold air coming, there is friction. When those two fronts collide, they're not the same, and there is lightning and friction and thunder and storms and violence. And on the spiritual and the supernatural, I mean the supernatural and the natural, when those worlds come together, there is, there is friction that happens. There's friction that happens. And the third deal here is our lives are a battlefield between the flesh and the spirit. You can't read any of Paul's letters. In other words, if you start in Romans and you run it through, that is a theme woven throughout his scriptures. So you've got this very real sense of the Holy Spirit is fighting, involved in this. You've got our sin nature is there. And then you've got this very much a supernatural enemy that's there, evil. And there's sort of two, two fronts of this war. And the first one is to keep us from coming to Christ. So for me, before I came to Christ, there was a lot of stuff in my life that was a barrier for me to get there. Some of it was mental, some of it was physical, some of it was emotional. Uh, I'd run into enough Christians that had done enough stupid things to me that I didn't like them. So that's a barrier for me. Well, who put that barrier there? Well, people did, yes, but Satan was using it because he knew the pre-salvation barrier. That was a battle for each of our souls. Once that's taken care of, and I've knelt down, and I've said, Christ, you're my Lord. I can't do it on my own. I am a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need you in my life. Would you help me? Would you be my Lord? 
Bam, that battle is done and over with. I'll never go back. It will not be taken away from me. I'm in his hands. Jesus said, whoever is in my father's hands, no one can snatch him out of there. No one. I'm secure. But now there's a second front to the battle. Once we come to Christ, the enemy desires that we would obey our flesh and never put Christ as Lord over it. And if you're a Christian man, that is exactly the front of the battle that you're in right now. That's it, right now. And so as we go forward, you know, we are engaging in a spiritual war. Milton is going to share a couple of lies that we usually hold on to that actually keep us from victory in this whole idea of spiritual warfare. Thank you, Eric. I gave you a couple of handouts. One is the very front one says Demons Bible Quiz. And you can look at that in the scripture verses in your time along with the Lord. But I call your attention to number 12. In reality, all Christians are involved in spiritual warfare. And that's in Ephesians 6.12. If you want the scripture reference for that. It is true. And the very last one down there, number 25 no demonic power will be able to keep us away from the love of Christ. That also is true. Romans 8, 38. Then with that, stapled to that, are a whole bunch of scriptures that I gave you on spiritual warfare. And I hope you can use those in your quiet time with the Lord to help you have victory in spiritual warfare. There are two arrows that we will make in our spiritual warfare. And one of those is publicly pretend we have conquered the flesh. To publicly say we've conquered the flesh. We may not say it, but we may act like we've conquered the flesh. By the way we live or the attending church, singing in the choir, teaching a Sunday school class. That makes folks think, well, they just they're just super Christians. They've conquered the, the devil and the flesh. So the first error we make is publicly pretending we have conquered the flesh. Let me give you a good example of that. Everybody read the story about David? We all know the story of David, that he was a murderer, a liar, an adulterer. But you know, in the Bible, back in Old Testament times, kings were supposed to go to war. They were expected to go to war to protect their territory and their children and their, and their families. But the two times... <coughs> The two times David did not go to war, the first time he stayed home and did not go to war, which he was supposed to do as a king, he committed adultery. The second time he stayed home and did not go to war, he committed murder. That's pretty tough, guys. When we are not in spiritual warfare and we think we've conquered the flesh, that's just the very time Satan's going to get us. He got David. If he get David, he can get you and get me. And the second error we make is privately deny the possibility. We privately deny the possibility of conquering the flesh. Emphasize, circle that word. Write it out in capital letters. We secretly or privately deny the possibility of conquering the flesh. Deny the possibility. The word possibility it is possible that we can conquer the flesh. I want to read to you something that just I got off of CNN today. 
Here's the headline. Alleged rape raises questions about bystanders. A little 15-year-old girl out in California after a homecoming at a homecoming dance last night, California, was gang raped by 15 or 20 guys for two hours right outside the dance hall. It states in the article here that none of the bystanders, none of the people involved in the rape intended or planned the rape. They all got to watching one guy beat up a girl and it went from beating up the 15 year old girl to some of the bystanders, all of the bystanders, raping the 15 year old girl for two hours and nobody reported it. Nobody did anything. You say, my goodness, that would never happen to me. Well, those guys probably said that would never happen to them. It goes back to this second era. Privately deny the possibility of conquering the flesh. None of those guys went to that homecoming dance, planned to rape that girl. They made an era that they had conquered the flesh. David made an era twice that he had conquered the flesh. I'm the king. I'm the king. I've conquered the flesh. But he committed adultery and he committed murder. And so did these people out in California. They denied the very fact. And who knows? It'll probably come out, evidently, that some of those guys were probably church members in somebody's church. Could that happen in Houston, Texas? Houston, Texas? It does, doesn't it? You turn on the TV, you see it every day in Houston, Texas, about rape, murder, incest, all kinds of errors that are made by people, well-meaning people, who make the errors that they've conquered the flesh. So I would encourage all of us, don't ever think that you're above the things of the flesh. There's a spiritual war that goes on, and the way God conquers the male is through the flesh. In our marriage, in our eyes, you all know what it means to bounce the eyes, don't you? Look away. Billy Graham told me one time, a long time ago, 1954, you cannot avoid the first look at a woman, but you sure can the second look. And I'm amazed when I'm in a mall or going down the street watching guys, watching guys, watch women in the mall. Or walking in the street. You go to Starbucks? Anybody go to Starbucks? I do. I don't. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> yeah. Just watch the guys at Starbucks. We went, my wife and I went in Starbucks a couple of weeks ago, early one morning. And she punched me and she said, I want you to watch something. She said, I want you to watch this guy. He's stalking this girl that's up at the counter. And this guy could, couldn't take his eyes off. It wasn't anybody he was with. She'd just come in and get something, and she was going to leave. And the guy not only followed her with his eyes, she went out to get in her car, and he stood out, went out and stood in front of Starbucks to watch her leave. Now, that guy could have been, who knows, he might have been a church staff member. He might have been a Sunday school teacher. It's amazing to me what you see in men today. All of us are prone to that. God made us that way. Not to sin, but with our wives. We are to give our attention to our wife. 
not to her girlfriend, but to our wife, whoever that wife is. So we don't want to make the two errors David made. He should have been at warfare. So if we're not at warfare and we think we've got it made, that's the very time Satan's going to hit us. We think we've got it made. Well, I read my Bible every day. I have a quiet time every day. I memorize scripture. Yeah. Anybody, everybody in here have a favorite scripture? That's your life message? You have a life message scripture? If you don't, you should. What, you, what tells people what you're all about? And some of you in here know mine. It's 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. And it says, And the things that hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit down to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Do you think that would keep me from spiritual warfare with Satan? Mm-mm. Just because I have made that my life message? It doesn't. And I just confess to you what I'm going to fast for over the next three or four months. You think Satan's going to allow me to do that easily? Uh Uh-uh. Neither will he let you do something you've committed unto the Lord. He will not make that easy for you. It's going to be tough. And as I said to some, some of you the other day, when you make a commitment unto the Lord, be ready. Satan's going to attack you, and you're going to be in a war. You'll have a wreck. Your wife will have a wreck. You may lose your house, your car, your job. Satan's going to attack you whenever you're trying to live for him. So all I can say to you and encourage you, you will win because guess what? God's already won, hasn't he? He's already won. And when you accept him as your Savior and Lord, All of those things have already been defeated. You've already been forgiven for whatever you do in life. He's already forgiven you. And that's called one word. G-R-A-C-E. Grace. So I'd say to all you guys and to myself, he's won the war. Let's just stay in battle with him. Does this resonate with anybody? Before we go on, any thoughts? I agree with that. All of it? Yes. Parts of it? All of it. All of it? I know when I fasted many years ago for a week, mm-hmm. I had trouble for the first three days. And then after the third day, I did have a very small, small snack. i got to be honest with you. The way Milton put it, I don't want to be part of it. I'm going to be attacked. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the place that I've worked in for the last five years, when I first went to work there, was here. God put a lot of things in front of me to make me see them in myself or to see what I didn't want to be. And some of the guys in this workplace, I just couldn't believe how they would rubberneck to look at the girls and that kind of thing. And I was just like, I've got to be different from them. And uh, you know, really worked hard to discipline myself not to be like that. As I was going to say, during that week, a lot of people asked, invited me to go eat dinner with them or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's the funniest thing. I, I want to fast from restaurants, and we're going to a new restaurant tomorrow. <laughs> I've never been before. It's so. a working lunch. It's a working lunch. I can get away with it. You don't have to it. eat. No, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm buying I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm going to eat then. No. Um, 
I, I work. I work. A, I had the opportunity to be a lot around some men that have been in sandy places in um, around the world during this war. And I was driving around Houston the other day with my wife, and I said, "Can you actually believe our country's at war?" I have. Uh, sorry to keep. No, keep. Bring it on. That's what. Yeah. Uh, well, I previously had a lot of involvement with the flag museum down in Galveston, and, and I've studied a lot of the history about World War II, and to think about that war effort and how involved the country was, and how every man, woman, and child sacrificed during that war to for the war effort, and here and now. There's just so little impact of the war on the day-to-day lives of people. It's just such a contrast. During the ammo crisis, you know, caused by the, admin- the election of a certain administration, and then by the fact of war, I-, I was going. That's the first time this war has touched me personally. That I can't find my 45 ACP bullets. I can't find any brass bullets. And it was a shortage of ammo based on the war. And I got a little upset about that. It's a realization, and my friends tell me, my friend David and Jeff tell me, you don't know the things that happen on a daily basis to keep the freedoms in this country, to keep us asleep at night in our own beds. And sometimes, this is me, I get lost in my Christian walk in the sense that I don't acknowledge that there's a resident evil out there to devour me. We are, we, are, we are in war, spiritually. We don't know the things that happen around us. Um, before, one of the examples that, that I, I was, I've, been, I've been meditating on judges for the past few weeks, and I, I wrote a devotional on... Samson. Samson was engaged, engaging himself in a lucrative relationship with a woman named Delilah. We'll just say it like that. <laughs> to the point where he was asked, what was the secret to his demise? And not the first time she asked him, not the second time she asked him, did he figure it out that this woman wanted to hurt him. How many times have we posed ourselves without knowing that we're in a spiritual battle? Because Samson had no idea at that moment that he was in a spiritual battle. He was playing a riddle with a woman that he obviously lusted after, desired. He was in sin. And he actually showed, showed her what his kryptonite was to his superman. Another example, what if Frodo had given up the ring? Ourselves, we, we find ourselves in sin, falling sometimes in this battle, not realizing that there is a, there's a lion out there with a guttural, throaty, man-shaking roar that wants to tear us to pieces as collateral damage in this spiritual warfare. I laugh because my mentality is, I, I, I don't laugh, I'm sad sometimes 
when I see men that cower, and we have a bad memory sometimes. We fall back as saints. We fall back into sin. And we forget that memory. My sister-in-law is pregnant. It's her first child. And she is sicker than a dog. I mean, she is... She's telling my wife, I will never have another kid. This is the only one. Mark's going to get a vasectomy. Oh, my gosh. We're, he's never going to touch me ever again. He'll be lucky if we're in the same bed. We're only having one kid. And my wife goes, don't worry. You forget it. You forget the pains of childbirth. You forget it when you see that child. And the next time around, you got the EPT out, and you want that kid. Again, you've forgotten the pain and the struggles of pregnancy. And my sister-in-law's like, no, no, no. But that's how we are with sin sometimes. We forget. We fall right back in. We're in a war. And the enemy doesn't play by the rules. A great ex- You're going to say something, Blake. You want to say it? Oh, yeah. I just, it makes me think of Islam and the speeches about that we'll never declare war on Islam and all these different things. And they don't, they're not acknowledging that Islam is declaring war on us. Why not? Centuries ago. And they call us the great Satan. Yeah. And they attack us with veracity that we're the evil ones. Um, wow. I just thought about the irony in that, that we're called the great Satan. Yeah. And they attack us with this ferocity. I think it's that multi-billion dollar porn industry we're pouring out and stuff like that that uh, really chaps them on top of other stuff. But, yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about something. As, as we're in battle, as we're in war, what are some suggestions that we can pursue to, avoid, to pursue this discipline of spiritual warfare? To be soldiers. <laughs> to be, as Christians... And, and the assumption here, all of us have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All of us have had that crisis of belief where we have, a, we have an acknowledgement that God is the only way we can get to heaven, that he is our provider, salvation. He, is, he, was, he paid the price for our sin on the cross, did it once, can never be pulled away from him. So how, how, do, how do we stay in the battle, so to speak? What are some ways to pursue disciplines to stay in the battle in spiritual warfare? Read the scripture. Read scripture. Okay. I'm going to write these down. Is that okay here? Where's the magic Never green pen? To write anything on the board. Read the board. I'm going to write on this board over here. No, I'm sorry. That'll ruin the board. Yeah, why don't you erase the... Uh, okay. Erase them. Give me, give me some. Throw them out. Oh, I shouldn't erase I think Eric uh, summarized it well. He said, you know, this is the ground where all of their disciplines intersect. So, see all previous landings. Did you read the notes for this week or something? I'm just no, curious. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Class. Okay, read scripture. <laughs> and it's not fair. Frank's being smart. Even fasting, right? That's why you get some discernment there. Anything else? Read scripture. Listen to sermons instead of talk radio. Dad, gummit, why did you do that? God. I always joke with Milton when we prepare for this because Eric and I and Milton meet a few days prior to. To this, and we have the lesson all outlined, and Milton's just sitting there. And I got a few scriptures here, and he brings out this stack <laughs> about this big, and I'm like, and so I joke with Milton. I say, Milton, don't bring that biblical stuff in here. We really don't need that. <laughs> you know, really. He's like, all right. He sits there. It's all in there. It's all in there. So this week I said, you know what, Milton? We'll just throw the scriptures at him and just read it, and we'll walk out. It was a joke. 
but but it's funny because you say that. But it's all in there. It's all in there. I mean, it's everything's in there. Read so. all the scriptures. Read all the scriptures. <laughs> so listen. So ser sermons versus. Dare I say? ESPN Radio. Sports. Rush. Limbaugh. Sean Whiny Hannity. That is on tape. There's also another one that can help you. Um, is praying. Anything else? Worship. <laughs> Worship. Singing. Accountability. Bust a move, right? Oh, that's right. I can sing. Singing what? Hymns. Scriptures. Scriptural songs. Did you guys know that when you sing, it actually gives strength to your bone, the very bone marrow in your, your body? Proven scientific fact. I think it's choral singing, though. Just singing. Not the stuff I do. Yeah, singing. The, the, the beatbox stuff, I did not well, need not, that. Not that. It was choral. I think it's choral music. I don't know. <laughs> I do know choral music, this was on NPR a few years back, that actually they did a study and it released endorphins. The people in the choir had endorphins released in choral music when they sang together. Harmonies and different, you know, the different melody and harmony. It released the endorphins, which explains the, uh, you know, there's an addictive side to choral music. Did any of you hear the choir sing the special Sunday? Was John Denver in there? Yes, I did. It was good. Everybody was excited. The singer for it. I, I didn't get any endorphins, just to let you know. We, we, were, all in. we were all excited. I didn't. <laughs> just wait till the Christmas pageant. You'll find it excited. I'll be in there. My kid's in it. Um, any others? Uh, did you? Uh, oh, you got a counterpoint. Okay. Christian Fellowship. Accountability groups. Got it. Yeah. So practically, those are. We're going to hit this back. We're going to hit this in a second here because we're going to go back to this. If you look at it very closely. There are a lot of, there you go, a lot of the 12 spiritual disciplines are the ones we've gone through already. We're going to hit on those in a second here. But practically, as every day we're in battle, I want, to, I want to challenge you. I challenged the men on Wednesday morning two weeks ago as we discussed GM6, and I asked a question. What would your life look like if you approached every decision, every meeting, every appointment, Every movie, every dollar you spent as if your life depended on it. What would your life look like? What would your life look like? Your life purpose. Your life purpose? A lot more clarity. Clarity? Sure. I, I met. I met last week with my friend who is a god of war who goes to Mexico and he provides security services to protect government officials against the cartel. And we were talking about this and he said, we train every aspect of our life, every moment, to be as our, if our life depended on it. I have a P.O. box. I am not on Facebook. 
you, you can't find me on Google. I have two kids. I don't want the cartel to know where I live. Where I spend my money, the credit cards I use, I get rid of them, I recycle them every three months. Because every decision, everything I have to make is my life depends on it. My security system is changed every, the code is changed every week because my life depends on it. Where I go out and eat, where I sit in a restaurant, Renee, my life depends on it. And I thought the same way. If I were to glance at a woman and not bounce my eyes, my life depends on it. If I'm not on my knees every morning, my life depends on it. You have to act like your life depends on it. And it does, in more ways than one. And I don't mean to be preachy. I don't mean to be uh, strong here or blunt. But I, our life depends on it. So as we, as we go through some temptations, subdue your temptations. Don't feed the things that need to be, want to be fed. Don't, squeak, don't uh, feed that squeaky wheel. My first thing to do is get up in the morning and watch top 10 plays on ESPN. My heart craves for that every morning. I love it. They change every morning. It's new. And I get to argue whether, it's top, whether that should have been number one or number three. I want to know if my Dallas Cowboys made the top four or my San Antonio Spurs are going to be making the top ten anytime soon. From San Antonio. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan and San Antonio Spurs fan. Those are things that I feed. But at the same time, I need to feed, I need to get in the Word, all my knees with the Word of God. And it's the first thing I need to do. My first craving should be that of God. My life depends on it. So subdue. Don't feed your temptations. If you have a problem drinking, don't go to a bar. <laughs> I mean, you, you, made, you made an analogy, Blake, about the guys that, hang, that, that you noticed when you were becoming a Christian and how it looked different, how your life was looking different and how, th how you wanted to be different in those areas. I mean, I remember taking a stand one day at work about where we were going to lunch. And it's a very simple, it was, this, was, this was 15 years ago. Young, wet behind the ears, had never been in corporate America. I mean, sorry, 20 years ago. Never been in corporate America. And the guys wanted to go to a restaurant where girls wear white tight tops. And I, I said no. When I said no, I wouldn't go, six other guys stepped up and said, I just don't want to go either. I took a stand. My little moment of stand helped encourage other guys. So don't feed the temptations. If you have an inclination to take risks, don't go to poker parties with friends. Protect yourself. Be a mystery there. Um, other examples. Any other, other examples of doing temptations? I don't have all the answers. Lord knows I don't. Any other examples you would you would recommend how to subdue temptations? Scripture says cast down every imagination. Practically. Practical. Apply it. You can imagine a, a pretty woman in your mind. Okay. You can imagine having sex with that pretty woman. Right. You can imagine having a house that you can't afford. You can imagine having a car that you would like to have that you can't afford. 
could, could those be also goals? Not the women, but the but not the woman, but the yeah. the house that you can't afford. Yeah. The car. And that's why and if you're single, in, that's why and if you're single, yeah. The pretty woman. Yeah. Not the pretty woman, but the pretty woman. But all that but, yeah. is stuff. Stuff. Okay. So do them, right? Yes. Put them in perspective? I can't do that. I, you know, I can't have that woman. I can't have that ass. I can't have that car. Well, I found like the more you subject yourself to media and advertisements, because I mean that whole industry right. is oriented toward influencing your desires. And if, if I don't read magazines or watch TV, I don't see things that I'm tempted to go buy. Right. Green facing, yeah. Your kids would be walking by. That will, that will quickly squash any temptation you might have. Mm-hmm. I, I know of guys that say they will not be on the internet after hours or when their wife's asleep, you know, or when they're home alone, you know. And that's my thing. I, I get, I get, uh, I get itchy to say this when I'm home alone. So I'll get out. Got to cut the grass. Got to be outside. Got to do something. And it's not, it's not, it's not pornography. It's mindless surfing that I do. Waste of time. Waste of time. So you struggle with being idle. Idle. Okay. Uh, Finding something to replace. Um, I was going to say that and it doesn't really matter what the sin is or what that, that temptation is. It's all like, if you look in scripture, one of the themes is, is that you get more than what you bargained for. Yeah. So if you sow seeds that are good, you'll get more from reading scripture than you ever imagined you would. You'll get more from praying than you ever imagined you would. You'll get more from sharing Christ with people than you ever imagined you would. If you make a discipline and you stay with it, you'll get more back than what you bargained for. The flip side is so true. Yes. Is It's like the choice to compromise on just a little area of life, that becomes the beachhead for an addiction, or that becomes a beachhead for something down the road a year from now. And so it always takes longer for the consequence to come, and it's always bigger than we anticipate. And so last night I got a phone call from a man. I know him, he knows me. And I was in bed. I hop up and I go to the bathroom so I can talk because my wife was asleep and I'm laying there and he's like, is it okay if I share a story real quick? Oh yeah, no, no. Okay. no, I'm, and, no. Um, I just heard the door and I went. And he, and he's like, uh, I was like, well, how are you doing? He says, not good. Can you talk? I said, uh, yeah. He said, were you asleep? I was like, yeah. He says, well, uh, I'll t- we'll talk later. I said, no, I'm up. I said, we'll talk now. I said, it's the best time to talk. And he just said, well, all the blank just hit the fan. I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I just came clean. Well, for the last seven years, this guy has a uh, gambling addiction. He's racked up huge, I mean, thousands of dollars on credit cards. Uh, he And what happened is he had been lying to his wife. He had, he had faked a break-in at the house when he had 
pawned off a lot of their stuff. And now this time, he took her grandmother's heirloom diamond engagement ring, which had been appraised at many thousands of dollars, and took it and hawked it off to try to pay off a $16,000 note that he had at a casino in Louisiana. And she called him up at work that, that yesterday and said, I noticed this is missing. Do you know anything about it? And he was like, uh, yeah, I took it. I was getting it appraised. And, and then he just, he said something happened and he couldn't tell her any more lies. He said, it was like tongue-tied. I couldn't tell her a lie. And so he, he told her, he said, I will talk. I'll come home from work and we'll talk. And he just laid it all out. And uh, it started as something very innocent. Nickel ante. Poker night with my friends is where it started seven years ago. And he used to beat all of his friends. And so then he decided to go to a casino. And he went to a casino and he won. And so he decided, as any of us would, I'm the man and I own poker. I'm the man. And he saw it on TV all the time and he started studying it. <coughs> and right now he's on the brink. He doesn't know. His wife hasn't told him what her decision is. He doesn't know. Beautiful wife, great job, all the stuff. He doesn't know. Little things good, the reward comes later than we think and it's bigger than we ever imagined. And for sin, it will come to us in time, bigger and more than we ever imagined. And he compromised on nickels, and now he owes thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But the worst part is, he's lied to his wife for seven years, and she knows it now. And she ain't wanting to trust that boy. So I'm just sort of sharing that yeah, in yeah, here. It's appropriate. For subdue our temptations. Little things matter. Little things matter. For me, little things are huge. On the visual side, I haven't watched TV in a long, 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 long time because it sets my mind down a path pursuing external beauty. You know, pursuing it. I just can't stir it up. I can't stir it up. And so now I'm going to go the other route. And I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a sledgehammer to the head of it. I'm going to fast and pray over this thing. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to do something crazy because I need to. Because I've given so much away over the last, you know, since I was ten. Off and on since I was ten. Would you say your life depends on? It does. My marriage depends on okay. it. Ministry depends on okay. it. Walk of Christ depends on it. Everything depends on it. Oh yeah. I mean, when that, that whole scene in the movie, I looked at my wife, and I was like, you know, that's probably the right reaction. Every, every man in America that struggles in that area, right. whether it's online gambling, because you know, I've met with several guys at our church that deal with online gambling addiction. It's there. I mean, it's not just pornography. I mean, it's, it's, it's many different areas. So it's not one size fits all, but for all of us, <laughs> we need to grab it, <laughs> just beat it, you know, because we, we truly have to. Uh, exit, exhibit B, I'm sorry. I gave each of you guys a seven-day 
something you to do for seven days. Make no provision for the flesh, a Bible study that you do on your own. It's there. Everything you just talked about is right there. Thanks, Milton. Someone find Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And someone find for me Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. And when you find Ecclesiastes, raise up your hand because I want you to read loudly, thusly. Please. What was the first one? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. I'll hit a track mark on the... Uh... Who has Ecclesiastes? New guy here. You've done it before. Let the new guy read. (laughs) This is not NIV, but I'll read it. Uh oh. That is why you need to get God's full armor. Then on the day of evil, you will be able to stand strong. And when you have finished the whole fight, you will still be standing. So stand strong, stand, stand strong with his belt tied around your waist and on your chest wear the protective protection of right living and on your feet wear the good news of peace to help you stand strong and also use the shield of faith with that you can stop all the burning arrows of the evil accept God's salvation to be your helmet and take the sword of the spirit that sword is teaching is the teaching of God Pray in the Spirit at all, at all times. Pray with all kinds of prayers and ask for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready. Never give up. Always pray for all God's people. Amazing. Soldiers don't go to war in street clothes, basically. I mean, I, 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 again, I go back to my friend David. He actually sent his, uh, his AR uh, back from the Sandy Place through FedEx to his house in Houston. It was kind of a funny story. I know Blake's going, how do you do that? Yeah, but FedEx took care of it for him. So, um, but uh, I find that I, I love to shoot firearms. I just, I, I get a kick out of it. I was trained literally, by Navy. Literally. Yeah, yeah, I really get a kick out of it, literally. <laughs> trained by a Navy SEAL, so it's one of my passions to get better and better and spend a fortune on uh, firearms, on, 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 on ammo. But uh, even as I go into the simple range, I have to have ear protection. I have to have eye protection. I have to have uh, the gun always on safety or, or my holster. I have to have these things. I'm not even going to battle. So imagine going to war, spiritual warfare, naked. Naked. A naked person going to battle. And, and Paul writes in there and says, hey, you know what? You've got to have you have to don the Kevlar vest of faith. You've got you you to don Material. I, I love. I love the movie Three Hundred. But those guys were buck naked. But they all have six packs. Six packs. Eight, eight, packs, could, eight packs. They could bounce bullets off. Ding. You know. Me. I have a keg. Okay. So the reality is, I mean, you have to go in prepared for battle. So he gives us a very good picture of someone, who, a warrior prepared for battle. And I think the example he was using was the Romans at the time. The visual he could use of the Romans, but it's just amazing. How that occurred. I mean, that that we have to be prepared for battle. Who has Ecclesiastes, real quick? No one has Ecclesiastes. Okay, two are better than one. Who has it? Frank, go for it. Go. Bingo. Bingo. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. When falls down, his friend can help 
picking basketballs and has more to help them up. Also, two lies down together, stay and keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Four to three strands, five for two You have to establish yourself in a community, guys. If you're in, if we're taking, if we're, if we're going to pursue the discipline of spiritual warfare, we have to establish ourselves in the community. And you're seeing an effort, a movement at this church, a vision called GM6. You're seeing an opportunity to be part of a tight group, a fire team that can go into battle together. Start off by fellowship in church. Get into a small Sunday school Bible study. And from there... Get your core of three. Get your fire team. The Navy SEALs call them swim buddies. They never go in alone. They never go in alone. They never leave a man behind. We always hear about the Marines never leave a man behind. But the Navy SEALs always go into water. They get on land, in air, with their swim buddy. They've always got someone who has their six. Someone they can call out and say, check six. And that person has got them. Spiritually, we're talking about guys that will encourage us, challenge us, and hold us accountable. Tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. It's not about being a good person. It's not about being a better husband. It's about the process of sanctification, about glorifying God in everything that we do so that he becomes Lord of our life. He's Lord already. He's Lord when we accept him as personal Lord and Savior. But that process... That lifelong process that we never really achieve or ever fully grasp is called sanctification. Where we, Lord becomes Lord of our life, every aspect of our life. When every decision we make is our life depends on it and does it glorify God and is the Lord over this. Lastly, put on the full armor of God. Got to be prepared. Scripture, the sword, truth, feet. Dawn yourself with Kevlar, spiritual Kevlar. We're in a war, guys. I want to leave you with something real quick before we go into another channel. A little story. There's a man named Marcus Luttrell. You ever heard of a guy named Marcus Luttrell? He was part of uh, uh, SEAL Team 12. It's considered the worst disasters in Afghanistan. Uh, they made a decision. His team of four guys went into Afghanistan. They made a decision when they ran to a group of goat herders, mountain goat herders, the decision was to let them go as opposed to detain them. Marius Luttrell says that was the one decision that turned the fate and which cost 16 men their lives, 16 Navy SEALs their lives. They ran to some goat herders on the mountain. These goat herders, after six hours, of, after two hours of contemplating whether these men should be detained, in other words, killed, or let go, they decided to show compassion and let these goat herders go. That decision, the goat herders then went back to Al-Qaeda camp and brought upon them the firepower of 300 angry Al-Qaeda troops on four Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs took out two-thirds of them. In the process, a rescue team of 12 Navy SEALs was, was downed in a helicopter. It's considered the worst tragedy. Marcus Luttrell is, is a hero today, but he goes back to that one decision they made. So you go back to the example we used earlier. Is it simply surfing the net? Is it simply joining a lunch at a popular restaurant with an owl? Is it simply 
going to the bar for a few drinks. It is simply every decision like your life depends on. That's the challenge I have for you. Approach life that way. Your life will look differently. So the other challenge before we leave tonight is you look back on the disciplines that we've had to do the past, past few weeks. Creation, Bible, prayer, fasting, fellowship, counsel, worship, Sabbath, spiritual warfare. Of those, let me write them out. I think, I think we've covered the majority here. Scripture, prayer, worship, fellowship, counsel, accountability. Um, creation. You said something? Sabbath. Sabbath. Which of these guys stands out the most that you would take two or three and you think would be the biggest things in your spiritual battle right now? Which of those right now? Not to publicly say it, but of those three, of those six that we've gone through, what would stand out to you the most right now? The ones you need to work on the most. Yeah. I mean, if you were to load up your ammo, get put on your battle, which one would stand up? The, you can read my writing. Have mercy. That's a challenge. Yeah. I think I need to work on prayer. Prayer? I pray a lot. Not near like I would like to be. Mm -hmm. Not near where I want to be. Right. Not where I imagine I could be. When I die, I'd like to be known as a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. For me, I'd say the scripture, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's funny, you'd say 90 days, audio, dude, you know, yeah, good. For me, it's memorization. For me, it's hiding the word of God in my heart, in my mind, you know, so that my soul resonates it. Where's the soul? Is it under the hood? Next to the carburetor? Don't know, right? But that it resonates. That my words, that I'd be able to just and not just the paraphrased version, but also know the reference. For me, that's my challenge there. I heard him talking on one of the radio shows this week about Corey Tim. Yeah, yeah Corey Tim. Yeah. Her father that had pretty much memorized the entire Bible, and it didn't matter that the Nazis took the Bible away from him, that they could still have Bible lessons. Right. I was thinking about solitary confinement last week when we talked about it being a punishment two weeks ago, I think, that men are made for fellowship. The solitary confinement is a punishment. It's, it's on the verge of... And so I challenged myself, what would I do in solitary confinement? So I said, well, how many scriptures do I know by memory? Could I... Could I, could I, I know the Bible stories. I'd, I'd probably feed myself on that for a while. But my memory... Sight, you know, sight, I mean, just being able to recall scripture mm -mm. wouldn't be there. And that, and that was kind of a very like my life depends on it. Would there be enough? Would there be enough evidence to convict me in a law, in a court of law? 
about my faith or my mem- or my knowledge of scripture? Would there be enough to talk my way out of any jam? I can sell any million dollar proposal, but be enough evidence to say that you're not really, you're not, you really don't know scripture. Not the theology behind it, but do you know scripture? That, that's, that's mine. That'd be mine. Why don't you do air cues in solitary confinement? Oh. Dude, that'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'd do? I'd sing. I realized one day I know over a thousand hymns and songs by memory. I'd just sing all day. They, they'd actually probably shoot and kill me. <laughs> I'd just start talking. <laughs> I'd be fatty in no time. I don't know if they'd ever get me. I'd probably take as many as I could out with me. <laughs> What would you do, Brad? He's in solitary confession. I would, uh, after sleeping, I would uh, <laughs> meditate. You what? Try to meditate. Yeah. And try to clear the mind, clear the heart. What would you do, David? He was in solitary. I mean, yeah. Frank. 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 I said David. <laughs> yeah. Frank. Uh, yeah, after sleeping. <laughs> Blake, what would you do? I, don't know. I would think a lot of praying, yeah. which I'm short on anyway. But, <laughs> I, you know, try to get the God. Gary, to talk what would you do? That's what came to my mind. Prayer. 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 You're next, man. Dustin? Might as well answer. Think, prayer, reflection. Good to have Dustin back. Dustin's been gone. And Gary, glad to have you here. Glad to be here. And Brad? Brad's in our Sunday night group, man. He's pulling double duty. I know. All right. Yeah, and Mark John is too. <laughs> Very good. Did you want to do the uh, candies? Yeah, did you have any questions? I have, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. So there are a couple of questions up there. Uh, I don't know if we covered all of them, but you all may want to jot them down. We've got some time to discuss. Um, you know, this... When I saw this question, because he, he sends the PowerPoint out, you know, usually a week before, and then we sit down and talk through it and edit it, and Milton did them originally, sent them off to him, and so he'll tweak him. And when I saw that, what percentage of time are you winning and what percentage of time are you losing the temptation battle? It doesn't matter what the area is, but in that specific area that, that you wrestle with, that was really, for me, revealing. Um, because I think it's real easy to put certain sins in a box, in a category, and say these are the really, really bad ones, like heroin, crack, this gang rape article, you know. You know, it's like those are the really bad ones, and then the things I deal with are just sort of like not so bad. However, what percent of the time that I'm facing that particular temptation do I walk out of it upright, pure heart, pure mind, hands clean? And what part do I sort of get into a little bit? Oh, and I'll pull out. No, I didn't go all the way, God. I didn't do too much, too bad, too long. And I'm not like these other men that did these horrible things. I'm not pointing at you. Thanks. But it's a, it's a good question to ask. And in your, uh, in your GM6, in your smaller group of men, it's a good question to talk to each other about and pray for each other on and, and really to, to begin to be honest and grow in that area. Galatians 5.16 would be a good verse to read tonight as you're at home. Read it and say, Lord, where 
in this, you know, what advice do I have from you for this whole battle that I'm in? And it is, and I love what you said, you know, do this like your life depends on it. I wrote this down the first time I heard Renee say it because he paused and says, oh, and it does. You know, <laughs> I just remember you said I wrote that down because it does. Our spiritual life depends on it and our physical life. And then what would you have to do today to have victory over the temptation that has enslaved you? And let me define enslavement. This is good. You've, what? Ahead, I've never made, I've never defined it. I'm just, no, you talked yesterday about POW, but go for it. Oh, yeah, well, I, yeah, this, this is really just, it's, it's the temptation that enslaves you is the one that captures your thoughts and your minds. It keeps you on the sidelines. It's the one that says, I'm not worthy I'm not worthy to serve God. I'm not worthy to be the spiritual leader of my home. I'm not worthy to share Christ with someone because of this. This disqualifies me. Well, man, those two fronts of the battle, the one is to keep you from Christ. The other is to keep you from being employed in God's army to unleash other people, to share the good news with other people, to lead other people. That thing that keeps you enslaved, that, that's it. Whatever that thing is, what would it take for you to be broken free from that? And maybe you're walking totally in freedom right now, and you're like, Eric, there's none. Praise God. Are you engaged in helping other men walk in that kind of freedom? Christ is the ultimate freedom fighter, and then he employs us to be freedom fighters in each other's lives. Not missing in action. Not AWOL but engaged in a real, true spiritual fight for each other's freedom. That comes through prayer, accountability, fellowship, worshiping together, singing together, fasting and committed to fasting so we might be free. It's all of those things and more. We really don't talk a lot about that in church, but the early church lived it out because they had to. And I believe we have to do this If we don't, I think what we call spiritual vitality and life and strength is going to be gone. Our generation, your, your kids won't know the Lord if you don't know the Lord and live in such a way you could push that down upon them. That's true for all of us. Um, do you have any, any questions on anything we've hit tonight? I mean, it's big can of worms right there, and we've tried to sort of hit the highlights of it. I forgot what's our next session on. Uh, well, here, our next three sessions, wrapping this thing up, really important. Every, all the other ones sort of pointed to, we use these in spiritual warfare. The next three are about how do we impact other people's lives in service. So spiritual disciplines aren't self-centered. They're always employed by God, just like the Marcus Luttrell, who's a Houston guy, who was trained by Green Beret in high school at age 14 before he entered in. I was reading the Wikipedia up on him. I was like, dude, the guy was one bad astronaut, you know? Yes, he was. He was. That's what we used to call it in high school when we he couldn't say the real words. But a big guy, strong guy, but the whole deal is, The next three weeks will be how do we employ those things in our life to, to impact the lives of other people around us. Because ultimately, that's why God left us here. If he wanted me to be really holy and righteous, 
and that was all he cared about in my life, he would have pulled me up to heaven immediately because I'd be holy and righteous there. When I pass away, I'm done. I'm, I'm really holy and really righteous then. While the flesh is still here, there's still a battle, a spiritual battle, which is that very first grouping that we looked at. They left me here because of you all and me and my friends and my kids and generations beneath that I had, I had a ministry there. And y'all are here to impact my life and each other and your circles and the generations beneath you. And so the next three weeks, we'll look at how do you do that in spiritual disciplines. John had a good question. He so, said, just a session 10. I thought there was just 12. We used session one as the introduction and overview. Yeah, we tried to set the table that uh, we're not talking. We, initially, we were just going to do 12, and then we realized that we didn't want people to get the wrong perspective on spiritual disciplines, that it was really us manipulating God, that we somehow indebt God to us. But we want it to be really real that our vitality comes out of loving him and these are tangible ways of expressing that love and they're tools he's given us to have freedom. And if we put it the other way around, I do this so that God will do that. God's no man's slave. He's no man's slave. So that's why we took that first week and tried to lay that as a foundation for everything else we're going to do. Um, any other questions? Excellent. Well, hey, who would who would wrap us up in prayer? I'll okay, can I share something real quick? And yeah. I'll wrap us up in prayer. I'll, I'll open it up. Remember, I said that I did I did the body Bible audio for, for for ninety days. My mom pulled this out of storage. This is my first Bible. And check it out, man. It is like it's on it's on vinyl. But this is, I remember listening to this for hours. So my mom instilled in me the Bible Bible audio audibly before I even had. Whether even there's an iTunes or an iTouch, I mean it's that's pretty, iTouch right there. That's yeah, pretty graphic. I mean, it's this is. I mean, you can't. I mean, it's, it's this is this is. And it, it was, it's awesome. It's 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 dramatized and everything. And I remember sitting for hours on my little, on my little uh, um, record player, listening to that. And I can still remember today, even as I look at the, we go through Bible scriptures in in church. We talk about King David and Goliath. I, I can still hear the audio of the uh, uh, from that from that LP. Those two long plays, as we used to call them, you know. So just amazing stuff. By, by the way, David has longer hair than Samson. Just an <laughs> FYI, and that that is the uh, the uh, jawbone of a donkey right there that's getting ready to go through that guy's skull. That's awesome. <laughs> Gee, I mean, uh, I want this. Yeah. I'm thinking my son would love that. Yeah, There's I'm no thinking, doubt. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn this down, scan this. This is pretty cool stuff. And I, why I wonder don't you why. burn it for everybody in here? I, I think we'll, I might. we'll put it on a blog or something it's, it's and at cool. least get a copyright infringement, but it'll be fun. A Peter Pan Records was who produced this. And it's approved, a Tinkerbell production. Uh, approved by leading national religious authorities, Dr. Reverend William Luce. And, and Reverend Wright. And, and Reverend Magnetti. <laughs> and then a rabbi, Barry Friedman, at the very bottom here. And Kukul, Fran, and Ollie. So there we go. It's really it's just, it's just fun stuff. I'll make That's sure we awesome. get copies. But I, I, I mentioned this in the Bible portion. I think I did a few weeks ago that I listened to this. And I, and I just connected a few days ago when my, when my mother brought this in town. I thought, what? An inclination already to listen to the Bible audibly. So who wants to close this in prayer and we'll get out of here?
I want you guys to know to remember me in prayer. I won't be here next week. My brother, who's a youngest brother, who's a missionary in Bangkok, Thailand, is home for a few weeks or a few months, and we're all meeting back in Oklahoma where we all grew up. So I'll be listening to Bangkok, Thailand stories for a week. So I won't That'll be, be here next That will help you fast from sports. Yeah, that's right. I won't be here with you next week. Okay, uh, do you want to pray? Or? I'll close this up. Got it. Lord God in heaven, thank you so much for this time. I thank you for every man that's in this room. God, we love you and praise you because you're an amazing God. You change the weather, but you never change. Lord, may we seek you every day. May we, may we be strong warriors in this thing you call life. May we be examples of you on a daily basis. I, I ask that whatever these men are going through as saints, Lord, that you protect them, that you strengthen them, that you regird their armor, Lord. We fasten the whatever artillery, whatever utility they need on their belts, Lord. Will you load it up? God, may we seek you every day. May we implore that we need you more than we need TV, than we need food, than we need fellowship. But God, we need you. And we thank you for things you've given us, food, fellowship, TV. May we control those and we manage those, Lord, to glorify you. We love you and praise you again. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We would love to have you come in person. We meet Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30 at Houston's First Baptist Church. More information is on the web at houstonsfirst.org, houstonsfirst.org. Again, have a blessed day. Let's go.